Amen and amen. Would you do me a favor? Turn to two people. Tell them Merry Christmas, will you? Tell them Merry Christmas. Oh, Pastor, but it's not Christmas yet. Are you kidding me? We're not waiting until next weekend to celebrate the fact that our King has come and that he wants to do something supernatural in and through us today. So for me to you, early, Merry Christmas. Um, I was thinking this week, what was one of the most favorite gifts? And I want you to think about this in your life for a second. Like for Christmas, maybe it was like as a kid. What is the, one of the, the best gifts you've ever gotten? Like when I thought about it this week, and this is embarrassing, I, I, it took me forever to think of something. I don't know if I've just gotten sucky gifts growing up or what the deal is, but I had to sit there and think, what is a gift that, I really, that really resonates? And then I remembered, and it brought me all the way back, and this is probably my first memory of Christmas in general. I'm probably four or five years old. And the gift that I remember getting is a pair of boxing gloves. And that might seem weird. Why would your parents give you boxing gloves? You're four or five years old. I'll tell you why. I'm the youngest of six, okay? And every time I put those boxing gloves on, it gave me, it really gave me an excuse to, to slug my brother and sisters. It was awesome until they hit me back. But so I don't know, what, what, what's your favorite gift? Like growing up, you're like, you open it, and you're like, oh, that's so awesome. I love Christmas because it can bring great memories like that. There's also maybe some other memories you want to forget around Christmas. But regardless, Christmas is a great time of year. And I tell you what, it's, it's a big time of year, especially for the church, right? This is one of the, there's two holidays that we know that many people will go to that they may not otherwise go to church. And you know what they are, right? Christmas and? Yes, yes. The, we, we, people that go to those two services and that's it, they're called Christers or, or CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Anyway, so, but maybe that was you growing up. Maybe that's how you did it growing up. And I, I just want to get them here. And I, I hope you do too. So I'm so excited about it. We are, we are ramping up for, for Christmas Eve and hoping that you invite. And we're super, but, but here's the thing. In the series that we're in called Christmas is for the Naughty and the Nice, we know that even though Christmas is coming this weekend and people will come, new people will come, we still know this. Many will not. Or don't want to at this point. Many, even though it is Christmas or Easter, they're, they're not wanting to come. And, and, and there's, there's reasons for that. And, and we've talked about those in this series. But many people aren't running to church. And here's the question we've kind of been posing. Why, why the resistance? Like, like the angel said, I bring good news of great joy for all people. If this is the case, why the resistance? Like, for example, and some of you will remember this on Easter of this year. It was... It was a little crazy at Meadows Church, right? I mean, we had, we had over 600 people in church, which is by far the most we've ever had. We had 20 people, like, give their lives to Christ at Easter. And not only that, we had our very first protester. We've never had that before. Remember that? Remember the sign? What did a sign say? Meadows is a cult, something like that. I always say, if you're not called a cult every once in a while, you're probably not doing squat for Jesus. I'm just saying. This guy, so he, he was holding the sign calling Meadows a cult, and he was out by the road. Here's the awesome thing. A gal comes into the church that day, Easter morning. This lady comes in. She goes, oh, my gosh. I love that you put greeters out on the road holding signs welcoming us. I said, yeah, you bet. Welcome home. There's the Kool-Aid. I mean, she just, she had no idea what the sign said. So we had him come back for the 11 greeting people. So actually, we didn't have to ask him to come back. He just came back on his own. But here's the thing. That gentleman, and we, we care about that gentleman because Jesus does. So we had conversations with him, multiple. This is what many people don't know. So, and it wasn't, get off the property. You know what it was? How you doing? What's going on? Can we bring you something? 
trying to bring him donuts, coffee, whatever. So we heard a little bit of the story. He didn't share a lot, but here's what he shared. And this is so key. See, for him, the good news used to be good. He was very involved in a church, very involved. So, but, but, but something happened. And, and the good news went from being good to not so good. We don't know what happened. He didn't share that. All I can tell you is this. It was good for him at one time, and he was involved in the church, and all of a sudden, we're protesting it. So, so what happened? Why, if it's good news of great joy for all people, why wasn't it for him? And here's what I contend, and this is what I'm going to lean in today. Here's what I contend. Maybe what happened is we happened. What do I mean by that? I mean that I think sometimes we, and I'm pointing the finger right at me, sometimes we can reduce the good news to just some story that we believe. Some, some, something that we celebrate just once a year or twice a year, but it just, it's something, we reduce it to something we believe rather than something that we live. That's what I think that has happened in many cases. And, and, and for him, it, I, wrote, I wrote this down, I said, we almost positioned it or um, delivered it like it's, like it's some type of fire insurance, right? right? Maybe you got this good news as a kid. This is how it was delivered to you. Kids, this is the good news of Jesus, okay? And if you pray this prayer and believe the good news of Jesus, you get to go to heaven. But, but now, if you, kids, if you don't pray the prayer, um, then you're going to burn in hell forever. Okay, so now, who, who wants to pray the prayer? I mean, you got hands going up. There's not a hand that's not up. I mean, you position the gospel that way, Satan would have his hand up praying the prayer. I mean, they're going to pray it. But, but it, that's not, it's not this fire insurance. It doesn't start when you die. The good news of Jesus is for today. And, and, and we can't just talk about it. We can't, like today, I'm not even going to ask you if you believe the good news. Here's what I'm asking. Are you the good news? Like, ask your neighbor, ask your neighbor, are you the good news? If you're watching online, I love you. I'm, uh, um, type in the comments, am I the good news? Are you the good news? Are you being the good news? Now, when I ask that, understand this. I'm not just asking are you the good news for all, uh, for all people? Not just are you the good news for people that you like. Not just are you good news for the people that are like you. But, but are you the good news for all people? Say all people. It's what the Bible says. And when I say all people, I mean are you good news for family, for friends, coworkers, for your boss, for your ex, Oh, it just got real in here. For, for your annoying neighbor, they say everybody's got one. And if right now, if you're thinking, no, I don't know, I like my neighbors. I don't have an annoying neighbor. Well, maybe your neighbors have an annoying neighbor, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm just saying. So for good news for, um, for that crazy cousin, for that, uh, that family member that you're hoping and praying doesn't show up for the holidays. See, it's supposed to be good news for them and for all people. I don't, I'm not asking, do you believe in the good news? I'm asking are you the good news? Are we being the good news? This week leading up to Christmas is huge. It's huge for the church. It's huge for your life. It's huge for your family. I promise you, it is. Because here's the thing. If we get this right, because in the past, I think we can, I think we can safely say many times we haven't got it right. We, we've declared the good news. We, we preach the good news. We believe the good news. We just don't live it. We just don't live it. And, and the world reflects it doesn't it? The world is not in a great place. It's in a pretty rough-shaped place. There's a lot of opportunity, but this is, why, this is what makes the good news so good. 
Today I'm going to preach to you out of a, a book in the New Testament called Philippians. So you can go to Philippians 2 if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile app, Bible uh, app. So Philippians 2, let me give you some background. Paul, oh gosh, Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he wrote this book to a church in Philippi, modern day Greece. And he wrote it to you and I too. Understand something about Paul. The original version of the good news was not good news for Paul. He did not understand the original version of the good news. The reason I can tell you that is because before Paul started planning churches and penning letters to the churches, he was, he was taking churches out. He was a violent activist. I mean, he, go, going after this Nazarene sect, these followers of the way, this Jesus, he couldn't stand them. Why? Because he didn't understand the original version of the good news. It wasn't until Paul met the good news on a road to Damascus. He met him. He didn't hear about the good news. He didn't read about the good news. He met him face to face. And all of a sudden, something happens. And Paul doesn't just believe the good news. He starts to live the good news. He's radically transformed. So then Paul, he's, he's, so, he's so impacted by Jesus and what Jesus has done in his life. He's starting churches. that The churches he was trying to kill, now he's starting them. And he's writing to them. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1... Listen to what he writes. And I, I wrote this down. I said, what if this describes everyone who claimed to believe in Christ? Like, what if this describes how we are? Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in his love, from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender? Are you compassionate? Then make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, that's, that's being the good news. Oh my gosh. And now in verse 3, he gets very practical. You want to talk about something countercultural? Uh, do what Paul says to do here, and you will not be living like we live in the world most days. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. That, that is not normal, Paul. I'm just saying. Verse 4, don't look out for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Hmm. Then, you'll be, then you'll be living the good news. And then he gets a little more adamant in verse 5. You must, okay, he's kind of thrown down. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Okay, what is that, Paul? What is the same attitude? Here you go. Though he was God... He didn't think of himself as equal with God, as something to cling to. Instead, here's what Jesus did. He gives up his divine privileges. This is insane. He takes the humble position of a slave and is born a human being. This is the son of God who, who resides with the father. I mean, all glory and honor to him. And he says, I'll give it all up. And when he appeared in human form, by the way, that, there's Christmas, there's the birth of Jesus. When Jesus appeared in Bethlehem, in, in, that, in that cave with those animals, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And then Paul quickly jumps 33 years later. I mean, he's abrupt about it. And then he died a criminal's death on the cross. I'm going to pause there for a second. I'm going to go back to that, that, ver, or that uh, scripture a little bit later, but... I'm gonna, this is going to be such a practical message because I really ask God, what do we need to do to be the good news? Not just this week. This week it has to happen, right? It has to because people are going to be more receptive this week than they normally will be otherwise. I promise you. 
Most of our city does not have a desire to go to church. Most of our community does, is not like God isn't the center of Christmas. They'll celebrate it just like you will and I will, but he's not the center. They, they need to hear this good news. And many of them, they don't feel worthy. It's like, I've been there, I've done that, I've been naughty. We want them to know that you belong. You, we want you here. You are valuable. God is not turning away from you. He's pressing in on you. That's what we want them to know. But for them to know that we've got to be the good news, say be. Be the good news. How, Paul? Paul said it. Live selflessly. Live selflessly. That's kind of a broad uh, term I'm throwing at you, but I'll, I'll, I'll specify. You're putting others first. And if there's anything, again, that's countercultural, this is it. This is it, especially in the country that we live in. Let me relive verse uh, 7 for you that we've already read. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges, takes the humble position of a slave, and is born a human. Okay, can you imagine the conversation that morning with the Father and Jesus? I mean, Jesus is just overplaying a friendly game of Fortnite, and God's like, hey, son. Yeah, Dad, okay, can you pause, pause it for a second? I'm thinking, you know, and I'm just going to run this by you. Give me your thoughts, but how about... Jesus, how about you, like, give up all your privileges? Give up your divine rights. And I don't know, let's say that we, we will stuff you inside of a human body. You know, the bodies that get tired and they get hurt and they get broken. Yeah, one of those. We'll stuff you in that, and then we'll send you to earth. You know, that fun place. And, you, and you'll be a slave, Jesus. What do you think? Like, you won't have a place to lay your head? Jesus is like, yeah, Dad, can I finish my game first? You know, it's just, it, we wouldn't write the story that way. You wouldn't and I wouldn't. Like, if you wrote the Christmas story, think about the Christmas story. Like, if we wrote it, okay, Jesus isn't getting born in a barn if I wrote the Christmas story. Jesus isn't, like, hanging out with the animal. He's not getting laid in a food trough, okay? If I'm writing the story, gee, there's room at the end, all right? And it's not just the end. It's, it's the Hilton, and Jesus gets the penthouse if I'm writing the story, right? He gets the penthouse, he gets the hot tub, he gets mints on the pillows, what, what, he gets those little animals, the, you know, a little camel, a little dove, a towel, you know, folded up in a nice way. And there's, there's not lowly shepherds in this story if I wrote it. No, shepherds are lowly. Animals, stinky, poopy animals, they're not in the story. They're superheroes in the story. They're, there's camel man and sheep boy are in the story. Okay, I don't know, I'm sorry. Getting carried away. So, if I wrote the sheep boy, that's sad. Okay, uh, what am I saying? Our version, if we wrote the story of Christmas, would be different. It would be different. And you know how I know that? Because if you wrote your story, or if you rewrote your story, your story would be different than it is today. You're, you would never write your story like your story looks right now. You wouldn't. Like some of you, you know what you might be thinking? I'm not supposed to be, I wasn't supposed to be single at this point in my life. I, I, if I wrote my story, the, the, the word divorce wouldn't be in my story, but it is. I, I would, I would have, I'm supposed to have kids at this point in my life. I'm supposed to be living the, the, living the career that I went to school for. I'm working a job. I didn't go to school for this. You write the story way different. It'd be, you, it'd be way different if I wrote my story. But maybe that's the issue, is we're focusing on I and I. Here's what I think. When we take the focus, again, other-minded, selflessly, when we take the focus off of our plan and we put it on God's purpose, which is his people, our lives will change. Why do I say that? I'll say it a different way. And I've said this before and I love it. When you make it about others, God makes it about you. 
It doesn't make sense, but God doesn't make sense to our heads a lot of times. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. When you and I make it about others, God will make it about us. I know this firsthand. I lived it. In my drug addiction, which is one of the most, I mean, addiction is such a beast because it's so selfish on the one hand, but as soon as you're sucked in so much, then it's, then it's not even a choice. It's just, it just sucks all the way around. But selfishness is the center of addiction. And something that you need to understand is when I first tried to get clean, it was all about me. I need to get clean. I need to get better. I've got, you know, I got to do this. And I got that plans and this plans and that plans. And, and I never could get clean. Couldn't do it. Tried hundreds of times. Do you know when it started to happen? When I went to rehab the second time, do you know why I went? For my family. I went because I, I, I thought about my kids without a dad. I thought about Jody without a husband. I thought about them doing life as, as, as a widow and as kids that don't have a, a dad in their life. And, it, and, and I thought to myself, and God knew this about me. And this may not make sense to you, and I, I, it, I, it's okay. I didn't care enough about myself to, 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 at this point to really get help, but I cared about them. I cared about them. So I go to rehab because I want to save them and help them. And here's the crazy thing. God starts to heal me. So I, 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 I'm making it about others, not like intentional, like I'm going to be this great guy. No, I just, I don't care about me, but I care about them. So that's what I'm going to do. And God starts to heal me. But God doesn't just start to heal me. God doesn't just rescue me from addiction. But, but God actually rescues me from myself. God rescues me from my sin. And that God points me in a direction and a purpose and a calling that is way bigger than me. Why? Because it wasn't about me. It wasn't. And, and, and God wants. And I always say to people, if God can do it in me, I'm telling you, does he have big plans for you? Oh, what he wants to do in you. When you make it about others, oh, what he wants to do in you. This week, how can we make it about somebody else? that they might come and hear the good news of Jesus. Number two, we're going to move quick through three things that we're going to practically try and do. This next one is crazy that it made the list, but God was adamant. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. If you were with me and with us a few weeks ago, um, forgiveness wasn't supposed to be part of the message. God wanted it there. Same thing happened this week. Paul didn't even talk really about forgiveness specifically. I couldn't get away from it. So it's, it's, and maybe this is why, because this is maybe the number one area that, that Christians will struggle with, that, that we will believe the good news, but we're not being the good news because we're harboring resentment. It's big. Not because I'm saying it, a guy named Jesus, when, oh, I want you to just fall in love with the scriptures. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew, Matthew records it. Matthew is one of the 12. Matthew wrote it. He said, Jesus said this, I quote, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember, wait a minute, somebody has something against me. There's something someone has against me. Leave, leave your sacrifice at the altar, run out of the temple, go and be reconciled and then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. I never understood that. I'm like, God, they're in the temple. That's where you want them. They're, they're giving offerings to you. They're giving praise to you. They're giving worship to you. They're returning tithes to you. They're doing these things. And you know, you know what I think God is saying here? You're doing it, but because you're harboring unforgiveness, you're, you, what you're giving me is worthless. What you offer doesn't mean anything to me. I see what you're doing physically, but I know what's going on in your heart. So, so Jesus says it because he has something for us. 
Jesus says, I want to bless you in such amazing ways, but, but you're bringing me your praise and your offering and whatever offering you're giving. But, and what's killer about that scripture is this. He says, if someone has something against you, it doesn't even say that you did it. He, Jesus doesn't say, if you hurt somebody, go, go make it right. No, Jesus said, if they, if, if, if they think you hurt them, you go make it right. See, something that I think many Christians fail to understand, and I've been guilty of this, so I'm not preaching at you, man, I'm with you in this. We don't understand that if we're, if we're claiming the good news and that Jesus is in us, the ball's always in our court, always. Well, but they, I can't believe they did. Okay, but, but it's, not about, it's not about them right now, it's about you and your part in it. Well, I didn't have a part in it, I didn't ask for it. Well, as soon as you accepted Christ, you have a part in it. It's non-negotiable. It's crazy. So the Lord's Prayer, we pray it almost every week, Felicity, in this church, don't we? Almost every week we pray it, and we love it. We don't have a lot of traditions at Meadows, but that's one of them. Why? Because Jesus taught that one. And I just think if Jesus taught it, it's probably pretty good. So we pray it. And there's a, there's a point in there, well, you know what? Let's pray it together. Let's do it again. You can't pray too much, right? So we'll pray it, and when we hit that point, we'll stop. Ready? Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us pause and there it is and we can say it without even thinking about it that's why i don't like to do a lot of like oh we do this next and we do this next because we, we forget what we're doing and we lose sight of what's going on in, in the moment what god really wanted he just said, we're asking him, forgive us our, our wrongs as we forgive others. You hear what you just said? You just said that you want God to forgive you as you forgive somebody else. But if you're harboring unforgiveness or resentment, then you just told God, don't forgive me then. And God says, I won't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you say that because the only thing that Jesus circles back to after, after the, the traditional Lord's Prayer that we know, do you know the very thing he circles back to? One thing forgiveness and that's it i'll show you right after the traditional lord's prayer that you and i just talked about together this is what jesus says next matthew 6 14 if you forgive those who sin against you your heavenly father will forgive you but if you refuse to forgive others your father will not forgive your sins maybe one of the most pointed direct scriptures i've ever read and probably one of the most overlooked it's, it's crazy. You know what we just said? So it's not just praying the prayer that saves you. That's, that's the indication that you're accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not when it's done. That's when it starts. This is a part of salvation that I just read to you. Like people walking around, I believe the good news. Do you know what? You can believe the good news and go to hell. Boy, that's, I mean, I know I'm getting kind of stepping on toes, mine included, but Jesus just said, um, I'll, I won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. Do you know if Jesus doesn't forgive you like he just said he won't, and you die not forgiven? That's not good. That's eternally bad. So, so salvation's way bigger than just one little element. I do this, and I do No, no, no. Jesus gives a huge piece of salvation. Don't harbor unforgiveness. You gotta go and you gotta forgive. But they, this, they, it don't matter this, they, that, what, what matters is I live in you. And you're to be the good news, not just declare it. So that's what Jesus says. Forgiveness, and I wrote it down. Forgiveness is not based on feelings. And this is what we do. Well, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel. Forgiveness is based on a choice. And, it, and, and if we're going to be the good news, we have to choose to forgive. 
And this is what I believe with all my heart. I kid you not. This is why God won't let it go. I honestly believe that for, for somebody here, somebody watching online, listening, I don't care if it's four years from now, it don't matter, that if you're hearing this message, that God specifically is wanting to get through to somebody, and you need to know that if you forgive, if you will do what he's asking you to do this week, if you'll do it by you forgiving other, somebody else, you know what's going to happen? They're going to find forgiveness in Christ, but not only that, they're going to find freedom in Christ, and their life will never be the same because you forgave them. What if you today, when you leave here, you go and do it, you send the text, you write the letter, you make the phone, whatever it is, and that person is so blown away because of what they did to you, they're like, okay, where do you go to church? Okay, I haven't been to church in 14 years, but my God, you're a jerk, and if you're being nice, they must be doing something. I mean, something must be happening. So, and they come. I truly believe that's why God keeps laying it on me, laying it on me. We need to live selflessly. We need to forgive quickly, and we need to give generously. And I'm not just talking money, okay? But we need to give generously. This, is, this should be the beacon of who we are as followers of Jesus, being the good news. And you don't have to look any further than the wise men to see what it means to give generously. They weren't even men of God. They were pagans worshiping the stars. Do you know that? Okay, let's, we got to take a quick quiz because you guys need to know some things. So, okay, easy question. How many wise men were there? Wrong! Okay, this is why we need to do this. There's not three. You know that? You read, read the scripture. You read it. I'm not going to tell you where you find it. There's not three wise men. The, the, the Bible never gives a number of wise men. And I guarantee you it wasn't three because they're traveling a thousand miles from Persia to modern day Beth, or to Bethlehem. Uh, and they're bringing a lot of bling with them. So there's no way three, three men are traveling by themselves because they would be robbed like that. So the re now the reason tradition says three, do you know why? It's because the, it, the Bible talks about three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? So that's why people, oh, it's three. No, no, no. The Bible never says three wise men. So this is good. This is fun. We're learning. So what else? Question number two. Were the wise men at the birth of Jesus? Okay, see, you're one for two. That's good. They weren't at the birth of Jesus. This is why you, that nativity set that has the wise men in it, it's, it's, you're a heathen. What are you doing? That's not biblical. I, I, uh, I thought, Jody, I haven't told you this thought yet, but you're going to love it. So I thought, you know, to, to help our neighborhood, like tonight when it gets dark, I can run through our neighborhood and grab all the wise men out of the nativity scene and just chuck them in my garage. It's just, I'm helping my neighbors out, right? Now you know who the annoying neighbor is in my neighborhood. Anyway, so, so, and when people come to my house, they're like, hey, where's my wise men? I say, you want your wise men? Come to church. I'll be waiting for you. See, that's my outreach, getting people to church. So, okay, I'm not going to do that. So, and now if somebody does that in my neighborhood, you're going to think it's me. Anyway, so, but, but the wise men, no, they weren't. And I, I, let me give you a scripture that kind of sums it up. Matthew 5, 23. No, I'm sorry. Matthew 6, my gosh, we're, Matthew 2, Third time's a charm. Matthew 2, 10. <laughs> when they saw the star, these astrologers, they were filled with joy. They couldn't even deny it. They entered the house. Okay, you know, they didn't enter the cave. They didn't enter uh, with the place where there's the food trough, the manger. They entered a house. Okay, well, let's keep going. And they saw the, the child. They didn't see the little baby wrapped in clothes. They saw a child. They would have saw a toddler. This is probably a couple years after Jesus was born. He's a toddler. Anybody have toddlers? Raise your hand if you have toddlers in your house. Yeah, here's the deal. 
I read this this week. This is like a true story. The only difference between a toddler and a terrorist is their size. That's what I read. I mean, maybe you could tell. I'm just, that's just free. So, I mean, I'm sure Jesus was different. He's the son of God. But, so, the, the child with his mom, Mary, and what do they do? These, these pagan men, why are they so drawn? The Holy Spirit is so powerful. They bow down and they give generously. They give their worship. They open their treasure chest. They give the best that they got. God, this, I've got, this is the most expensive stuff I got. It's, I know it's nothing for you, Jesus, because you own it all, but I'm going to give you the best that I got. I'll give you my worship. I'll give you my praise. I'll give you my, my bling. I'll give you it all. My God, all they did was give. Th that's insane. But this is what Jesus, when you meet Jesus, like they met Jesus, you will be compelled to give. And I'm not just talking financially. They gave their worship. That's what the Bible says. They gave their time. It would have took them, they think, almost a year, maybe 10, 11 months to travel from Persia to Bethlehem. Think of that. They have nothing, and they have nothing to get from it. They have nothing to get. They just came to give. Isn't it interesting that at Christmas, what's the number one question like you get asked after Christmas? What did you, what'd you get? Hey, what'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get for Christmas? Nobody ever says, hey, what'd you give? What'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get for Christmas? No one ever asked that because that's not our mindset. That's not our culture. Our culture is different. What did we, what did we get? It was so different. Jesus calls us to be so different. Oh my gosh, Ava, remember when we went on our date last week? Texas Roadhouse, like our favorite. Why do we go there? Because, because Jesus makes those buns himself and the butter. So that's why we go there, because we're all about the Bible. So Ava and I go there, and we love the bread, just like I bet some of you do. So they're we probably ate three or four baskets full. Anyway, so they're bringing the baskets. We're like, yeah, bring them on. We're stacking up, you know, setting records. And uh, we order our food. And I'm looking across the table at Ava, kind of glassy-eyed. You know, just like drunk on bread. And I'm like, Ava... I said, I'm full. And Ava goes, remember what you said? You said, she goes, me too. Should we leave? And I said, Ava, we, we can't leave. Okay, we, we, we did order food, but they were smart. They waited until they didn't let us eat the bread when we ordered, and then we, whatever. So, so we're, we're full, and, uh, but we already ordered. Now, we had a gift card for 50 bucks, so I thought, oh, this will be perfect. We'll spend 30 bucks, 35, we'll tip a good tip, and we'll be good. But the problem is, Ava and I got carried away in the moment because we hadn't ate all the bread yet. So when we ordered, we didn't share a meal like we'd planned. We got separate meals, didn't we? Because we thought we'd just deserve it. So they bring out these two huge meals and my gosh, we're about, I'm about sick. I'm so full of bread. And uh, then, then the gal brings the tab. I was like, crap, 45 bucks and change. And I got a $50 gift card. And I'm like, Ava, I said, do you have any cash? Okay, what did I, I just asked my teenage daughter Okay, wow, I, are you praying for me? Seriously, why am I asking you such stupid questions? Um, I had no cash. Who carries cash? I'm like, so I have no cash. I have a gift card. And I'm like, we cannot. Monty, you know, 15 years ago, yes, this would be a good tip. But no, God's called us to live differently. So I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? And so we, well, I don't know why we snuck out like we were criminals. But so we, we, we put it down. And we like, we'll, we'll get out of here. We'll go get money. We'll come back. Why didn't we just tell her? Anyway, we're not, we're not that smart. So we, we put down the gift card. We run out of Texas Roadhouse. We jump in the car and we drive down the street to Walgreens and we go in there and I buy something I don't need because I'm just going to get some extra cash and I, extra 20 bucks and get the 20 bucks and jump back in the car, drive back to Texas Roadhouse. And I said, Ava, here's 20 bucks. 
I said, all right. I said, go, I said, go give it to her. You know, just run in there and find her. And I said, you remember who it was? She's like, oh yeah, dad, the one with the pony. I'm like, there's about eight of them that had ponied anyway. So whatever, just make sure you, you, you find the right one. So Ava runs back in there. It took you a while. I got worried, but you probably went to the bathroom or something. So anyway, so she goes in there. You blessed her, didn't you? Did you bless her with the 20? You, did you give her the 20 bucks? I'm asking now. Okay, because you were looking at me kind of weird. So I'm going to trust you. So, <laughs> so she gave her the 20 bucks and we left. And it felt, it felt good, I know, to Ava. It felt good to me. You might even be thinking, oh my gosh, well, that's, that's like a 40 plus percent tip. Yeah, and we had a gift card. It wasn't that hard to do. And, and she was very appreciative for what Ava told me. Like, oh my God, thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> I bet when she saw that gift card just left there with 50 bucks, I bet she was cursing us at one point. Anyway, but it, it was all better when we came back. So why do I say that? I, I don't, I'm not patting myself on the back, trust me. Um, I want to be a church that gives generously. You're a church that gives generously. I always like to compliment you because you deserve it. And many of many of you, it's your time. I mean, it's the time that you take on a Sunday morning to come worship. Drive gravel roads, drive like around and around and around until you find it. You give your time. A lot of you, you serve on dream teams. You give your time. You attend a service and you serve a service. Many of you, you're practicing on Thursday nights during the week, right? Putting in a lot of hours. That's a lot of time. You're giving time. Many of you, you return tithes to God, 10%. Some of you, you, you give in other ways. But the church is generous. And because you're a generous church and because we try to be wise stewards with resources, we're able to do things that may, maybe other churches can't do. And I love it because the, the one for one, that's why I love the one for one so much. But sometimes things come up before the end of the month, right? And needs come up, especially at Christmas. Like Dan, like you sent me that email. So Dan sends me an email on Wednesday, I think it was. And, and I get the email I'll read it to you. I kind of, I took the gal's, I changed the gal's name just for like confidentiality purposes. But Dan sends me this email and guess what, guess what part of the message I'm working on when he sends it? The generosity piece. You don't think God works on purpose? Monty, Chris has always made sure her kids are taken care of, but recently they've lost it all. Their home, their car, all the toys, all the baby stuff. Chris, throughout the years, Chris has saved, and she's a single mom of five. But recently, she's going through one of the darkest times that she's ever been through as she battles through addiction. She's worked really hard to overcome, and recently, she's gotten clean. And I mean recently, because he adds, like, she just got out of treatment yesterday. But now, she has no way to provide for her kids for, for Christmas. Now, we don't know who she is. I don't know who he's talking about, but this is just what he sent me. And now, she's already been through so much. But because she was in treatment, she was not able to sign up for assistance with what we did as a church and what other organizations do as a church. And now, of course, Christmas is almost here. Getting clean for her is the best thing that ever happened to her and her family. But Dan said, these kids still need a Christmas. He said, can we show Chris that we stand behind her? Now we stand by her, behind her sobriety and help give her and her kids a Christmas to remember. You know, generous churches can do generous things. And, and I haven't even told Dan what, what's going to happen. But today, Dan, you're going to call Chris 
And you're going to tell Chris that a church that she doesn't even know, that she's never even met, is going to bless her today with $1,000 so that her and her family can have a Christmas. That's because of you and your generosity. That's because of you. Because you give generously. Because that's not me giving it. I'm part of it. We're doing that. 500 would have probably done it. Five kids, 100 bucks a piece. Chris, you don't, you know, you probably can't buy yourself anything, but that'd be enough. We don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to be a get by church. I want to be an extravagant church. I want to be a generous church. I want to give selflessly and give sacrificially. I want to blow people away with the love of the Father. They're, they're just smacks them between the eyes. Like, are you kidding me? I can't wait. You should, like, you should call her right now. I mean, should we? I mean, I don't know. Should we just, I don't want to put her on the spot. I won't say, but we should call her. And just, you, you tell her, I just want to hear. You don't even have to put it on the speaker. I just think it's kind of cool that in the moment, who knows? You think she's still sleeping? I would be if I wasn't a pastor. So uh, I'm just saying. Do you got her number? Is this a good idea? I don't know if it is. Sometimes I do stupid things. Is it? Okay. Gosh, dang it. I don't, I did not plan to do this. She's like, I am not answering this call. God, Holy Spirit, is she supposed to answer? All right, Chris, no money for you. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. She's getting it. You'll tell her. You'll tell her. Yes, God is so good. I love it. I love it. So here we go. The good news is, is the good news in you? If it is, it should shine through you. This week, and I pray beyond this week, but this week for sure, we've got to get after it. So you, we're, you and I, we're going to do our best to live selflessly. Say selfless. Selfless. That just means put others first. That's all it means. And for you last-minute Christmas shoppers, Michael, I'm not pointing fingers, but for you. Um, so may, maybe here's what it means. You, you, that one gift that you haven't got yet, and you go to Walmart, God forbid you go to Walmart, but if you go to Walmart, you get there and there's that one gift that you've been waiting for, Turbo Man. Turbo Man is right on the shelf. And you're, you're like, Pastor said live selflessly, so you're going to step aside and let Arnold Schwarzenegger take Turbo Man. That's what you're going to do this week. That could be one thing. You're going to forgive quickly this week. I don't need to elaborate on forgive quickly. Here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit has already told you who you are and what you need to do. Believe it with all my heart. We're going to give generously because we're going to keep blessing people like Chris and others. And, and I don't want to have to pray about it that long. I don't want to, hey, let's go to the team. Let's pray about it. Let's look at the budget. Screw the budget. I want to be a church that we are so generous that we, like when people need help in a moment like that, we're, we're there. We're there. Even if you never come, we're there. We will be this beacon for you. So we will love you. And we, there's so many opportunities to be that. So... I, I wrote down another question. Will anyone come to Christmas Eve service because they see the good news through me? Will anyone come to the Christmas Eve service because they see the good news through you? I pray that you understand how big the week is. Every week for me is big. Every, every week is a Super Bowl because there's lost people all over the place and they have no desire. But, but if you speak to them, if you reach out to them, if, you, if, you, if you're selfless with them, if you forgive them, if you are generous with them, that will spark something in them. That's what this is all about. 
So many people. Why are we doing this series, Naughty and Nice? Because so many people, are, are, they feel worthless and they feel like they know they're bad and they're filled with shame and guilt. But yet one night, 2,000 years ago, messengers from the Lord spoke and said, don't be afraid. I bring good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Say all people. All people deserve that. If, you're, if you come from a church background, what I'm going to say next might sound weird. Um, Meadows, we, we planted a church four years ago to reach people that are far from God. We didn't plant a church to just bring, oh, let's get a lot of people that go to other churches, get to our church. Ah, are you kidding me? That's the last thing we want. There's so many lost, broken people. So, so again, if you grew up in the church, that's not a bad, well, it could be a bad thing, but it, it, this will sound weird. But this is our prayer for Meadows. I can't speak for any other church. This is our prayer for Meadows Church, that God would fill our church with sinners. God, that you would fill our church with addicts, with rejects, with misfits. That God, you would fill our church with those who have been overlooked, condemned or judged, those who are lonely, those who are broken, those who are hurting. Oh, and guess what? By the way, if any of that describes you, you should give God praise because that's exactly who Jesus came for. That's why he came. That's why he left there and came here. It's for that. Not for people that think they got it together. People like me who know you're a mess. I'm going to give you a little preview to Christmas next week. You're getting a little teaser. On Friday at Christmas Eve, the theme is broken. Broken. Who do you know that is broken? They've been broken through a pandemic. They have been broken through a financial situation. They have been broken through a, a, a divorce, through a breakup, through a, a custody battle, through a financial loss. They're broken. This is what we're going to tell them. One of the things we're going to tell them, we're going to tell you too. Because many of you are like me and you're broken. God's light shines beautifully through broken things. God's light shines beautifully through broken things. I'm not going to tell you much more what's going to happen, but I will tell you this. 2,000 years ago, the light of the world invaded earth. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't just invade the world. He came to invade your world. And then, in my world, and then he wants to use us once he, he's in us, the good news is in us, then he wants to invade others' worlds, which is what we're going to do this week, and I hope every day going forward. That's what we're called to do. We are going to invade others. And can I tell you something? For that to happen, you can't just sit idly by and neither can I. The church can't be on the defense. The church has to be offense. So, and you got to go to some places maybe you wouldn't normally go to and, and, and hang around some people that maybe you haven't hung around with in a long time or at least reach out to. Because we have to reach them right where they're at. God was so clear. Stop waiting for people. Just show up. Hope they come to church. One of the worst things I hear, and I think I've said it, so I'm talking to myself. I'll hear church people or even pastors oh God bring them in it's Christmas God we're praying and that's not bad to pray but that's all they're doing bring them in bring them in God God if they come your will be done listen to me we can pray your kingdom come 
Your will be done until we're blue in the face. But it won't make a difference unless we invade some hell holes with the light and the love of Jesus. That's when it matters. God, I want to reach broken people, messed up people. I want to flood this place with them. Let's finish that scripture in Philippians, right where we started. Remember where we left off? It was kind of a dark day. Jesus was born as a human and died 33 years later on a cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. God, thank God that's not the end of the story. Therefore, God elevated him, that would be Jesus, to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are going to declare that this coming Friday and I pray that hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of people will hear it. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. We're going to worship together in song. I'm going to pray for you. I know this is early, but from me to you, from my family to yours, Jody doesn't like when I call him up here unannounced, so I'm not going to do that. So, but, but Christmas Eve, you're coming up on Christmas Eve, okay? Then we can say it together. I learned that as a pastor the hard way. Always make sure your family... Somebody asked me, when I told the story about Jake last week, I think it was Q asked me, uh, do you, does Jake know you're telling the story? I'm like, God, yes. You don't get up and start sharing intimate... I've made that mistake. Haven't I, Jody? Yeah, numerous times. I don't do that anymore. So, um, they know. I've gotten permission. So, I love you. I love our church. It's God's church. We want to fill it. But we can't just pray, God, you fill it. You do what you do. God, God built his church. God birthed his church to do what he's called it to do. This is our week. Spread the air fresheners. Spread the invites. Be the church. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God, I thank you so much that you, that you are so bold and adamant with us that you won't let us skirt by. Well, just, just believe and believe the good news and you're good to go. You're like, no, no, no. The belief is the beginning. But you need to, you need to do your best to, to, to love like me. You're going to fall short. But God, you're my plan to reach my people. We're plan A, church. There is no plan B. We're it. So God, would you give us the strength and the courage to love people like you this week? And I know something for a fact. The people that you're calling us to love, some of those people we haven't talked to in a long time. Some of them we haven't reached out to in a long time. Some of them, we see their posts on Facebook or Insta. We don't even maybe like those posts, but we, 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 they keep coming up. And that's you telling us we're supposed to reach out. We're supposed to reach out. Hey, what are you doing for Christmas Eve? God, this is, this is, this is I mean, I think you're, you're praying for us right now. In fact, I know your son Jesus is interceding right now saying, you know what? Let's go. Let's be the church. And God, for the broken people here today, well, you make broken things new. You set broken things straight. Have your way. As we worship you in song and we give back to you in this way, God, I pray that your mighty Holy Spirit 
which is, which is prevalent and powerful in this place right now, as we worship in this song, God, I pray that you move in such a mighty way and that as you move, we will be obedient to do whatever you tell us to do, whatever it is, because we, we, we can't base it on feelings. We can't base it on that. To be the good news, we have to choose. And choosing that is hard sometimes, but in the end, it's so worth it because when we choose to love and we choose to give and we choose to forgive and we choose to step aside and put others first, the world will never be the same. People will come to know you. And isn't that what it's all about at the end of the, t- at the, end of the day? Our life here is short, so short, but the life to come is forever. God, we want people to experience that with us. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Say it together, amen, amen. Church, if that's you today, if you want to choose Jesus, if you want to choose to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you right now. There's those green connect cards on the chair backs. Pull it up. Grab one of the pens that's on the chair backs. Write your name and mark the card. Either I choose to follow Jesus or I renew my decision to follow Jesus. We want to walk with you today. We want to celebrate that decision with you. And there's no better decision that you can make. How are you going to live differently? What do we need to know about today? We need to know that we got to be the good news of Jesus. And what do we got to do? And we got to live selflessly, we got to forgive quickly, and we got to give generously, church. So if that's you today, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus or renew your decision, don't leave without marking that Connect card. That's a huge, huge thing. It's a huge step. It's a huge decision. We want to walk with you. I want to invite the prayer warriors to come up. If that is you today, bring your Connect card to a prayer warrior. Bring it to somebody at guest services. We want to pray with you. We want to get to know more of your story, how Jesus is changing your life through his word. It's a miracle. It's a miracle if that happened today for you in your heart. We want to celebrate that miracle together. If that happened for you watching online, type I choose Jesus in the comments. Reach out to us via a message. Whatever you need to do, we want to walk with you as well. You can also text I choose Jesus, all one word, to 474747. Church, let's give God glory for anybody in the room who's got a changed heart today, who's receiving the good news of Jesus for the first time today. We're so excited. We love you, church. Come and meet a prayer warrior before you leave. Pastor Monty will be out by the merch table if you want to chat with him and talk with him. But we love you. We'll see you Friday. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.